So, today is not my day for recording podcasts. Interruptions are consistent and relentless. But, I'm going to get one out here today on Monday, the 15th, if it's the last thing I do. And so I'm going to call this episode, which will be number seven, The Experience. And... It really is kind of appropriate because not every day is perfect. In fact, very few days are anything of what I would expect to be perfect. But I always benefit from them in some way. So, that being said, the experience, as I'm calling this one, centers around a lot of the things I've done in my life up till this point. And whether anybody wants to hear it, It's completely up to them because you can stop listening right now and go check out some other podcast. But if you care to soldier on with me, I feel like as I close out season one, and I haven't decided how many more episodes I'm going to do for season one, but I want to provide my listeners with a pretty full understanding of how I see myself and what I've become and what has led me to that point. So professionally, I am a supply chain commercial strategy um, manager of sorts. And basically what that means is I help procure goods and services and manage the contractual verbiage that goes along with that. So enough about that. How did I get here? I ask myself that question at least once a day. On average, probably more like 10 to 15 times a day, but at least once a day, depending on the day of the week. And so today, I have been absolutely buried in my day job. And I decided that I wasn't going to work out at 6 a.m., which was, to me, a mistake because I started the day off with procrastination, which annoys me to death. But let's talk about that for a minute. So today was the first rollout of the F45 Monday workout called Redline. And like everyone is saying on Instagram, on the gram as the kids are calling it, it should be called Flatline because it almost killed all of us. And There are some folks doing it with weighted vests on today, and my hat is off to you guys because I don't know how in the world I would do it with a weighted vest on. I'm glad I decided not to ride my bicycle to the gym today because I would have been further smoked, and it was a brutal workout. Nine stations, five sets per station, increasing from 30 seconds per set up to a minute, if I remember correctly, with five seconds in between. Yes, you heard me right, five seconds in between. My heart rate hit 186, and I'm not sure if I've actually seen that during a workout in a long time. Now, I did see 193 at about 5 o'clock in the morning back in October in between chemo cycles when I went archery hunting with my dad and hiked up the hill, and you're talking Ross completely out of shape, um just absolutely ravaged by chemotherapy. We were like five or maybe even the sixth round. It wasn't good. So for a workout now to get my heart rate into the 180s is a solid workout. So 
If you're contemplating doing Redline today, go for it. You're going to hate it, but you won't regret it, that's for sure. So, moving on. What did I do this weekend? I worked on the YZ250 motor. Um, funny thing about that, if you have watched any of my YZ125-related uh, material, I can't remember if I show myself taking the transmission out of that engine back when I last did it, but there is a big difference between the YZ125 and the YZ250 transmissions. The YZ125 has two shift forks and removable pins that are not attached to the forks. The YZ250 has three shift forks with the pins all attached. So the only way to get that motor apart efficiently is to lay it on the ignition cover side and split it opposite of the way I have just kind of always stumbled through splitting cases. So you want to pull the clutch side of the cases off, leaving the crank and the transmission in the what would be the left side ignition cover side if you're sitting on the bike. Anyway, so I did that. I've got it completely apart. It's sitting here behind me, bare and looking like it's ready to become a work of art. I'm waiting to hear back from a couple hydro, um, what is it called? Hydro blasters, I guess you could call it. Vapor blasters, that's what we're looking for. Um, if I don't hear from them by the end of today, I'm just going to put this thing back together and really focus on quality internals and not so much building something gram-worthy to take a bunch of pictures of because I've done that before and I want this motor to be a little bit more resilient in dispersion of heat and I really want to ride this bike quite a bit more for the next couple of years. I'm planning on hanging on to this one. That may change because I often change my mind about what I'm doing with my bikes. Anyhow, so I did that. I did a lot of bicycling. I think I stacked like 60 miles on the bicycle last weekend. And my legs are really sore. So, yeah. We're waiting on some uh, some pain balm to show up. And it is going to be a glorious day when that does finally hit the package room here. Anyway, so I call this episode The Experience because... Growing up as a kid, the first thing I did with structure that required me to perform was showing American saddlebred horses. The reason being is it was a family business legacy. My grandfather, Dick Kearney, was a saddle horse trainer's entire life. Um, I should probably try and write some sort of a book about the things he told me because he was from the Midwest born on Poverty Ridge, Iowa, in a house without running water, and I don't think it had electricity, but I could be wrong. I'm almost positive it didn't. And he used to walk, like everybody's grandpa, uphill to school both ways. And he told me when he was in high school that across the schoolyard and across the train tracks was a horse barn. And I can picture it in my mind like a movie, this kid in high school, seeing what he really wants to do, that thing that really resonates with him and clicks and starts something that what I think only a few people in that we all know, say one out of every 10 of your friends, truly actualizes their passion 
or if that's not the right term for it, one out of 10 of your friends may actually do what they love as their work to support their family, livelihood, whatever you want to call it. My grandpa used to sneak out of the high school, cross the tracks, and go lean on the chain that separated the breezeway part of the barn when while they were working horses, which ultimately led him to working for this particular barn, and it was a dentist in town that loved horses. And we're talking about a totally different time, probably somewhere around the 1940s, and that's what he did. He saw Saddlebred across the way from the schoolyard, and he made it his life's mission to become one of the greats. And that's how I see him, and I'm sure there's quite a few people out there that would <clears throat> would agree with me. So, as the, as the um, next generation, it wasn't that I didn't have choice. It was that the choice was there. And the opportunity just laid itself out like a yellow brick road. And I started riding horses at like four. And I kept riding horses in a fairly consistent manner till I was about 15, maybe even 16. And I learned to break colts. I learned to gate colts. And if you're not familiar with saddle horses and gating, um... If you go to a local racetrack and watch the pacers, their legs on each side, so the right legs move forward together and the left legs move backward together and vice versa, and that is a pacer. If you were to ride that horse, you would not have to post, meaning you would not have to follow the rhythm of the horse's gait. You'd be able to sit on their back and probably balance an egg on a spoon. And that is what a gated saddle horse is. And one of my big regrets in life so far is that I've never really done a whole lot of what I would call experiencing and and honing my skill on a gated horse. But I had a lot of great experiences with three gated horses and with hackney ponies. And in my first attempt to... to um, record this episode and talk about this, I had like a a negative sound in my voice when it came to the whole hackney pony experience, mainly because it was not my choice. My younger brother liked to drive ponies, and I really can't blame him because it is a whole lot of fun. And when my son is born here in a couple weeks, I will probably not be able to help but think, will he ride saddlebreds or will he drive ponies? He will probably do both because that's just how we do things now. But growing up with a saddle horse farm three miles away in the family was a fantastic way to understand the importance of hard work and preparation and the stacking of miles. When I go out on my bicycle nowadays, I don't ride for 20 miles because I want to ride 20 miles. It's because I've ridden 20 miles for days in a row, and I want to stack those miles and build that... Build that... What is the word for it? 
that foundation for my fitness that, yes, I do this other stuff, but I've got this foundation underneath of me of cardio time spent uh, conditioning my lungs because they were what I consider pretty badly damaged over the last year. So when I talk about this right in the middle of talking about learning to show horses, it's because there were days that we spent doing things like walking horses in circles and using lunge lines and dumb jocks and all this. I could probably bore you to death with verbiage that only a handful of you that come across this might understand. And I didn't understand it as a kid. It's just, this is what we did. And Grandpa would say, today we're going to long line this pony, and then we're going to ride him. And I'm like, wait a second. This is a driving pony. We're going to do what? And that was where I started to realize that I had some level of talent that I did not understand that I had when it came to riding and showing horses. And I really do have my brother to thank for bringing these ponies to our establishment because we were pretty much a saddle horse only um, stable. And that's what I did because I like to ride a saddle horse. And then we got a couple of these ponies and one of them just would not stop growing. And I thought, well, they're going to make me ride him. So let's see if we can make him do three gates like a, a saddle horse. And essentially that's what I created after months of getting pitched and having him worm his way out from underneath of me. We ended up with a little three-gated pony, and I wish I knew where Heartland's Express was these days. Truth be told, he's probably out to pasture somewhere enjoying his retirement, but if you hear this and you have Heartland's Express, um, let me know. I'd be curious to, to see. But anyhow, I ultimately made it as far as what I consider um, you could go with saddle horses at the age um, that I was at at the time. I was 14 years old. We qualified for Louisville for the World Championship Horse Show, and we went and we experienced and it was such an addicting feeling that i even have goosebumps now just just thinking about it reminiscing about it and if you're raising kids which i'm about to embark upon that journey here soon go out and find a horse establishment and if you're sick of i'm sure you're sick of everything at this point but stick and ball sports never really did it for me, and there's nothing wrong with those. Maybe I just didn't give them enough of a shot. But doing something that depends solely on you really carries itself forward in your life, both academically and professionally. And so if you are looking for a different activity, something to break the cycle of this COVID nonsense and go to find a horse barn and sign up for a lesson and just see where it goes. It's a lot of fun. It's a great way to grow up. But I did experience a lot when it came to breaking colts, training colts, making them into to young horses and showing some older horses that actually I can't say that I ever really showed a whole bunch of older horses 
professionally. The oldest horse I showed at the World Championships was four at the time, but she was unique. She was a kind of a freak of nature, um, one of the strongest creatures I've ever had a regular um, experience with when it comes to getting on the same page. I mean, it was just the smartest creature. She knew when the music changed, which gate we were going to go to and and how we were going to finish out the rest of the shows, really something. And there's something to be said for, for showing saddlebreds and growing up around them. You realize early on that it's not just about getting on and going for a ride. It's about there's a connection and an understanding there that I can't even properly describe it. I surely can't do it just over uh, an MP3 recording because it's something you have to go out there and experience, and it takes years to understand what it actually is. But ultimately, it is the best way to develop that skill set, that ability to overcome adversity and to really hone a skill that takes years to uh, to develop. And so from there, it led me to my the beginning of my professional career, which was started with working in a uh, in a dirt bike shop and then later in a Harley dealership that was corporately structured and they ultimately, sent me to Milwaukee a few times for training, which was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. And it gave me the first idea of um, working in a supply chain type role and gave me a purpose for going through college the way I did. I'll give you a a brief overview of that. If, if you're a high school senior or in high school and listening to this, it's probably because you like dirt bikes and motorcycles pretty much come along with it. But you have to realize that it's your interests develop your, your path forward in life. And so I followed mine, not specifically to a T, but in a, in a rough way. And I went from the Harley dealership throughout college commuting and basically building my class schedule around my work schedule, which usually it works the other way around. You fit work around school, but I found that it was much more beneficial to do it the other way and to make it a goal and say, I am absolutely going to finish four years of college in four years but I'm going to do it on my terms and I'm going to work and gain this usable experience rather than, to me, unless you're doing something super specialized as far as college is concerned, you're going to gain a whole lot more business experience by working than you are sitting in a room reading uh, reading books and off of a board. So with that being said, I eventually had to move on from the Harley-Davidson dealership because I had graduated and at that time the oil and gas industry had made its appearance in the Marcellus Shale and we really needed to um, decide what it was that I was going to do moving forward and by we I mean 
my parents and I, because the whole way that I ended up in business and uh, in college for business was because my father had said to me, what is your plan? And I did not have a very good plan. It revolved around dirt bikes and possibly becoming a mechanic. And I just had not really made a decision. So he said, you're going to go to the local college for four years. And then once you've done that, you can do what you want. And I was able to realize at that point that he was always right. And he's still always right. And I did not have a very good plan. So I followed his plan. And so far, it's as usual, been the best decision that I've made. Ultimately, I got into supply after doing a short stint swinging a hammer on site doing flowback. Uh, I realized that flowback is not a long-term career choice, not for me at least, and I wanted to be more involved with the building and construction of oil and gas infrastructure. And so I went to work for a supply company, and while I was doing that, I got a uh, master's degree in energy management. And in doing that, I was exposed to a supply chain and project management course that ultimately has had a profound effect on my career path, moving from the supply industry into the supply chain role. And in doing that as a day job, nine to five, it's also expanded my hobbies in a way that whereas I was building dirt bikes on the side to amuse myself to get through the workday Monday through Friday, now I have actually applied the principles that go with my job in strategic sourcing to build a bike completely from scratch, which looking back may not have been the most effective way to do it, but So far, I hadn't really seen it done, and I wanted to do it. And I am documenting it um, in a video series. It's going to be pretty spliced together because I had a pretty vast interruption last year for about six months. So ultimately, you will see my YZ250 scratch build um, in video. But I really just wanted to put together an episode that's probably a little rambly. And I called it the experience because it's the experience that I have come to as a result of all of my experiences. And the way I look at it is you should never really, you should definitely never turn down an experience because you have no idea what it may actually lead to. And probably the most pivotal point of gaining experience for me was when I broke my leg in 2006 practicing for whatever motocross series I was after at that point and it was late July so I was sidelined I was pretty much done and I wasn't that fast and I knew it and so I realized pretty quickly that in order to fix my bike and soldier on I would have to get a job and I wandered into the Harley dealership that day and filled out an application and left it there on the counter and the rest is pretty much history and they hired me and it was the perfect five-year platform for getting into business and uh and 
going forward based on experience rather than what that piece of paper said that I got at the end of college. And the other experiences in life, such as the horses and aviation, which I've touched on previously in podcasts, it's all building blocks. And it's not always going to be easy to acquire those blocks and to put them into place and to keep them in place, but that's just life. And eventually I will do an episode on lymphoma. I'm just not quite there yet. I don't really know what it is that I want to say about it, but I did know what I wanted to say about experience. And these are just a few of the ones that have gotten me where I am today. So tune in next time. I have no idea what the topic might be, but that's kind of half the fun of doing this.